Hey, welcome to Pathway Church Online. We're so glad that you're with us today. And we are so excited about how God is reaching people through Pathway Church. This week, some of you packed hygiene boxes that are going to be sent to Convoy of Hope to be distributed all over the world to people who need them. Many of you gave finances to cover purchasing and shipping of these boxes. This week, one of our Kidsway leaders received a Facebook post that I want to read to you. It says this, we're a military family, and for us, that has meant five moves in the last eight years. That also means that we've had to find a new church five times in those eight years. When COVID happened, we stopped going to church, and to be honest, I wasn't sad. I didn't miss going. But I will go again, though, and this is why. The children's ministries coordinator from Pathway Church a church two moves ago for us, reached out to us and has been sending my girls the lessons, crafts, and activities she is prepping every week for her class. These lessons are so much more than a quick Bible story. They are a challenge to know better, do better, and love better. They are a reminder that we have a choice every day on how we spend our time, energy, and talents. Thank you, Miss Didi and Pathway Church for being an example of Christ's love to us. If you didn't know, Kids Way is still reaching kids and families online each week through Zoom and then the crafts and lesson supplies that are going out to each child every week. This week, our Zoom small groups connected several of us in studies to help us grow and develop as Jesus followers. We're so excited about how God is reaching people through Pathway Church. And so I want to thank you for being a part of what we're doing every week. I know for many of us, doing church online has been a real adjustment. I have found that it really takes me uh, having to focus, having to fight distractions. I mean, I really got to work at being engaged to do church online. It doesn't come naturally or easily for me to experience church online. And I bet you're probably like me. And yet I know that this is what we have to do right now. Now, we don't believe that this is a political issue or a conspiracy. We don't believe that this is an attack against the church. We are simply doing what our leaders are asking us to do until we can return safely to campus. See, we want to make sure that everyone stays healthy and stays safe. And so we're going to continue to gather online each week on YouTube and Facebook. And so I thank you for being a part of what we're doing and being with us each week for Pathway Church Online. And, you know, as many of you know, um, I'm a person who works through process. Uh, I'm an analyzer. And so I like to observe. I like to think things through. I usually take a while to process things before I decide on a course of action, before I publicly make comments about something I'm sure that some of you would probably wish that I would speak quicker about issues, but I choose to respond to God instead of reacting to current events. And so I have spent some time talking to God, listening to God, and now I have have had some time with God thinking about some of the issues that we've been seeing in our culture, in our world. And I want to share a passage with you before we get into our study of Jonah that God has been speaking to me about. Honestly, He's been speaking, me, speaking to me uh, through this passage uh, before in our, our GLOW series a couple of months ago. See, the Apostle Paul challenges us this way. He says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. 
Now, you know like I do, when it comes to culture around us, people will do what people want to do. (laughs) That's the truth, isn't it? I mean, even though we'd like to, we can't change what people do. As followers of Jesus, we can't change culture. We live in a sinful, broken world. And without Jesus, people are incapable of living the life that God wants them to. Without Jesus, people are incapable of doing what God wants them to do. And if you don't believe that, or if you refuse to believe that, then you don't understand the reason why Jesus died on a cross. I mean, if we don't need a Savior, why did Jesus die? Though we can't change culture, we can change us, the church. We can determine what we believe and what we do as the church. I believe in the church. That's why I do what I do. I believe that the church can make a difference in our world. I believe that our church, Pathway Church, can make a difference in our community. I believe that we can impact our community with the love and the message of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying back in Philippians 2. Even though we live in a world full full of crooked and perverse people, Paul says he challenges us to live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights. And so now maybe it makes a little bit more sense to you as to why I I don't speak very often about cultural issues. It's not because I don't have an opinion. If you know me, you know I got a lot of opinions about a lot of things. It's not that I don't have an opinion. It's because I'm convinced that the greatest influence that we can have in our culture is to become the closest followers of Jesus that we can be. And so I'm committed to studying God's word the Bible. I'm committed to teaching God's word, the Bible, so that we can become the closest followers of Jesus that we can possibly become. And in light of what we've been observing in our culture around us, racism, injustice, violence, hatred, riots, protests, I don't know about you, but I think our world needs you and me to live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights. And so, Before we jump into part five of our Jonah series, let's pray together. Father, just like your word says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, we come to you humbly. We are praying to you. We are seeking your face. We are asking you to forgive us and to heal our land. We believe that you're a God that wants to do things in our world. And I believe that you want to do things through your church. And so I ask that you would change us. First off, that you would change us, that you would do a new work in us, maybe even today, that you would begin in the followers of Jesus making a change in our hearts so that we could be those bright lights that shine in our world because people around us, they need your love. They need the message of Jesus Christ, the hope of Jesus Christ. And so God, we ask that you would end this virus, this COVID virus, It it seems to be on the rise in the San Diego area again. And so, God, we ask that you would push this back. We ask for an end of racism in our nation, in our community. We ask that you would heal our land, that you would bring wholeness. We thank you for what you can do, and we want to be a part of what you're doing. So start with us today. Start with us. Change our hearts and lives. We pray it in your name. Amen. So, have you noticed that a few words can change your life? 
I mean, you get a phone call. You, you hear, have somebody tell you something. You, you get a text. You overhear somebody talking. It's, if it's good news, then your life changes one way. If it's bad news, then your life changes another way. Isn't it amazing how a few words can change your life? This is what happened to this guy Jonah. We've been talking about Jonah for the last several weeks. Jonah served as a prophet for God in the 8th century B.C. And his story is unique because it's mostly a narrative. It all started when the Lord gave this message to Jonah. He said, get up and go to the city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah refused to go. Jonah went to the port of Joppa hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now Jonah was in full-on rebellion, trying to run away from God, but rather than allow you to, to continue running away from him, God will bring the storm, he will wreck your plans, he will sink your ship. And so the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing this violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. The sailors tossed cargo overboard in hopes of staying alive, but it wasn't working. They asked Jonah, what should we do? And you know what Jonah said? He said, throw me overboard. It's all my fault. So the the sailors, they threw Jonah into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Well, then the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. That's the story that we know of Jonah. Alone inside the fish, Jonah cried out to God in repentance. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Back on dry land, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And he said, get up and go to the city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. So the first time God said go, Jonah said no. But in verse 3, we see that this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a horrible place. I mean, the the Old Testament prophet Nahum, he he tells us that, that Nineveh was known for prostitution, child sacrifice, murder, witchcraft, and wickedness. Nineveh was a city full of violent, wicked, sexually immoral people. Nineveh was one of the largest cities in the ancient world. In fact, in Jonah chapter 3, we discover that it was a very large city. Just to walk across it took a person three days. Now, this was a big city. I mean, to give you an idea of how big, most people in the Old Testament would be able to travel about 17 or 18 miles walking each day. That's about uh, 50 miles or so for three days. So you that live in San Diego that are watching today... I want you to think about San Diego. The northernmost point of San Diego is, this, is the area of Oceanside. And the southernmost point of San Diego is Imperial Beach. Oceanside to Imperial Beach is 51 miles, actually 51.3 miles. That's the distance we're talking about. Nineveh was a big city. In fact, researchers believe that Nineveh was actually a region They believe that it not only included the city of Nineveh, but also the cities of Rehoboth, Kala, and Rezim. And so it was a region that we're talking about. And what's interesting is the name Nineveh. I'm giving you some trivia because it really applies to our story. The the name Nivea, Nivea, that's uh, cosmetics, I think, right, Brooke? 
Nineveh is related to its original, in the original language, it's the word fish. So Nineveh refers to fish. Quite interestingly, the Assyrian symbol used to represent Nineveh in ancient writing was a fish inside a house. In fact, researchers believe that the people who lived in Nineveh worshipped either a fish goddess or the god Dagon, which was half man, half fish. So get this, Nineveh may have been known as the place of fish. Now, not that fish has anything to do with the story of Jonah, right? (laughs) Wink, wink. See, one day, Jonah entered the city. He shouted to the crowds, and he said, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, all that's recorded being spoken from, from Jonah's mouth is a total of eight words. Now, we assume that there was more to Jonah's message than just eight words. But if not, this is definitely the shortest sermon ever. Jonah's sermon didn't include any hope, any forgiveness. He declares judgment without mercy, without grace, without options. But those eight words impacted so loudly and so strongly that the people of Nineveh believed God's message. Jonah 4, we'll see this next week. Jonah chapter 4 tells us that there were 120,000 people in Nineveh. This is arguably the biggest move of God in the history of the world. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. So how did a few words make such a big difference? It's because they're words from God. See, the word of God is more powerful than culture. The word of God is more powerful than a nation, or it's more powerful than politics or lifestyles. The word of God is more powerful than ideologies or philosophies or theories or dogma or opinions. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 4. The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing is hidden from God. He is the one to whom we are accountable. We live in a world that has a lot of speculation and a lot of interpretation. But our world is missing truth and revelation. We we place such high value on the words of men and women, but very little attention is given to the word of God. But friends, listen to me. When God speaks, people change. When the word of God shows up, lives change. Families change. Cities change. Nations change. Futures and destinies change. Jonah's epic message was a total of eight words, and that was it. No funny stories, no jokes, no illustrations, nothing to make it memorable. But despite being the the worst sermon ever preached, in spite of Jonah not wanting it to work, we'll talk about that next week, in face of every possible reason as to why it shouldn't work, look what it says in verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. They responded from the top down. Everyone in the city repented. To repent means that you, that you turn around and you go in the opposite direction. People are 
you know, walking away from God with their backs to God and suddenly they, they turn and they turn around and begin walking toward God. This is what repentance is all about. This even impacted city leaders. Look what it says in verse 6. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He, he was realizing, the king was realizing, I'm not the one in authority. God is in control. It says the king dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. This was an ancient sign of repenting, of admitting guilt. See, when people repent, they no longer blame others. They no longer make up excuses for themselves. They admit what they've done. I admit there's something wrong with me. I admit that it, that it needs to be changed. And I know that I can't change it myself. I need God to change me. Friends, that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. I pray that the word of God will do the work of God in us, in me, in you. Each, each week I, I come into my study and, and I ask God to give me his words so that I can share it with you. So that you will realize that God is speaking to you and you will ask God to change your life. When God speaks, people change. Your life changes. Your family changes. Your future changes. Why? It's because the word of God is alive and powerful. And I encourage you, listen to God's word. Read God's word. Study God's word. We don't believe the word of God changes with the shifting opinions of culture or man's preferences or the latest interpretations. We do not have the right to edit or change God's word. God's word is an authority over us. God's word changes us. And if you disagree with God's word, you need to change your mind. We don't study God's word to argue with it. We study God's word so we can hear from it, so we can submit in obedience to it. The city of Nineveh, that's what they were experiencing. They have the same issues that we have today. Violence, wickedness, immorality, self-indulgence, their city was full of it. These people, they were facing the same issues that we face today, and they didn't have any solutions until the word of God came. People have a desire to see human lives valued and not discarded, to see women treated with respect, to see kids loved and not abused. There is something within us that yearns for this, that hungers for this. And so what do we do? We argue and we fight and we protest, but we can't change things. And so we elect politicians and we write laws, but we can't change things. The only way we will see peace and justice and wholeness and purpose in life is by people hearing and responding to the word of God. Responding to the word of God is the only hope for our world. It's the only hope for our nation, for our state, for our city. Responding to the word of God is the only hope for our community. The only hope we have is responding to the word of God. And the people, the king of Nineveh, they took this seriously. The king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. Don't miss this. The king is calling for a citywide fast. Even the animals are fasting. Now, I'm, I'm a little curious on that. How, how does a cow fast? 
How, how do goats and sheep fast? I, we won't get into that, but I was just wondering that this week. The point is the king sees the seriousness of that. This, this isn't a, oh, I'm sorry kind of statement. No, this is a call for change. Look what he says. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. And everyone must pray earnestly to who? To God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. If genuine repentance is changing the way you're living, then I'd say this looks like genuine repentance to me. Friends, don't miss the bigness of this. This is a government leader, a political pagan leader, calling for the people to humble themselves, to admit their wrong, repent of their lifestyle, and turn to God for his mercy. This is huge. Would this, if this could happen in our city, in our state, in our nation, this is huge. And the king shows what he's hoping for. Look at his last words in verse 9. Who can tell? Perhaps, I love that word, perhaps even yet God will change his mind. (laughs) Hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Perhaps. They were repenting. And God responded. Verse 10, when God saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. You know, some people have a hard time with this. It appears that God is changing his mind about what he's going to do. It appears that God is changing his mind because He's responding to human action, and and people struggle with this. So without making this too complicated, and we do this a lot in church, we make things too complicated. Without making it too complicated, let me explain this to you. And I'm going to do it with just one verse written by the Apostle Peter. Take a look at this verse. God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God is in control. God can do anything he wants to do. And what God wants more than anything else is for people to come to him. What God wants is all people to be in a relationship with him. And the only way that's going to happen, he knows, the only way that's going to happen is if people repent. See, when people repent, God responds. God cares about the people of Nineveh. God cares about people God cares about us. He cares about you and me. Friends, don't miss the fact that God is the hero in this story. This isn't about the people of Nineveh's ability to reach past their dysfunction and their immorality and brutality and and to find this inherent goodness in their souls deep down somewhere. No, not at all. The story of Jonah is about a holy God who would have been right in destroying wicked people of Nineveh without warning. The story of Jonah is about a holy God who hates sin because sin robs him of his glory and sin robs us of what God wants to do in our lives. The story of Jonah is about a holy God being patient with sinners pursuing the rebellious and giving grace to the undeserving. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 something that speaks right into this and it should speak right to our 
to our hearts today. He says, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. All of us used to live that way, following the desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, judgment, just like everyone else. But, but God, I love this, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. The Apostle John adds this. God gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God loves us. God pursues us. God has compassion on us. God saves us. And fortunately for us, God is willing to wait a long time He is patient with us. But I don't want to leave today and have us lose sight of what God said to the people of Nineveh because I think it's something that God speaks to us. He told them, you only have 40 days left before you face judgment. Yes, God is very patient with us. But there comes a moment when he can no longer wait And in that moment, we will face judgment for how we have lived our life and the God that we have worshipped. Many people think that that's just Old Testament talk. It's not really that way. We live in the New Testament. But do you know, actually, Jesus talked about judgment a lot in the New Testament. Jesus clearly says in John 12, all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken God's word. You and I need to realize that there will come a day when we will give an account of how we have lived our life and what God we have worshipped. Paul says that God overlooked people's ignorance in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent and turn to him. And so what is God saying to us today? What is God saying to you today, to me today? He's saying repent. Turn around. Change your heart. Change your life. Turn to God so that God will change what happens in your life. Friends, when people repent, God responds. So how about you? How does this apply to your life. I think it all comes down to one question. What needs to change in your life? How does your heart need to turn around and turn to God? Maybe you need to cry out to God and see him respond to you today.